Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Pam. It's good to be together again. And today we're going to to start a series of a book study on we are. friendship and the fathers, how the early church evangelized. It's by Mike Aquilina. Aquilina? Aquilina. Aquilina, yeah. yeah. And of course, this topic is uh, just right in our wheelhouse with shoulder to shoulder, growing love through friendship. And so we're going to take a look at some really extraordinary friendships throughout history, which is the fathers of the church. Yeah, I love that uh, we're doing this book and because, you know, spiritual friendship is something that I've done a lot of reading on and really have a passion for. So I was excited when I saw that this book come came out. Um, now, I don't want to scare anyone in any way that it's not just about men. I mean, there's also, you know, female friendships played a huge role. I think the the main point uh, in the sub uh, title of the book talking about how the early church evangelized is really the big point here of that overarches the book, which is this idea that friendship isn't just something that we enjoy, you know, in our own personal lives and, and, and has a personal blessing. It is actually meant to be a means of evangelizing the world to the gospel. Yes. And so um, it's, it's important in that sense. It's important not only for our own personal fulfillment, but also for our mission as Christians in this world right. to spread the, the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and to take it back just to like a more simple um, way to break it down is like when we even teach our children to be careful who your friends are. Well, that is the same for us, too. We desire to have those friendships that make us better humans. And when you are on a path of of hopefully growing in virtue and growing closer to the to Christ, you're going to choose people that exemplify those virtues. And so this is just our way, too, of kind of peeking into the past, the way uh, saints have done it, to hopefully improve our own methods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're basically going to just go chapter by chapter. This episode is sort of the, the intro, just talking about, you know, what moved us to to do the book study. And we'll cover the introduction of the book. And then each episode, we'll do one chapter. Yeah. So that's how we're going to run it. Um, because we record uh, a cluster of uh, podcasts at once and not uh, the whole show. I mean, excuse me, not um, the show like each time it airs. It makes it a little harder for us to involve the listeners as far as questions and things like that. Because, uh, for example, we'll be doing record on the day that we actually record this, we're going to be recording the introduction and the first chapter. And then the next time we record, we'll be doing chapters two, three, four, and five. But I will say that, you know, if you're a person who has gotten the book, is reading it, is enjoying it, but would love to hear us discuss certain topics, feel free to contact us. You can email us. Um, you, the email address, shoulder to shoulder at gmail.com. Yeah, gmail.com. And so it's the number two, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and we'll also, another way to do it is if you haven't already, if you're a listener and you haven't um, liked us on Facebook, um, we, we post, you know, when we have new episodes, um, we're not the type of Facebook page that uh, is constantly inundating you with all kinds of posts. We pretty much just post when there's a new episode. <laughs> so, um, 
So if you uh, would like to like us on Facebook, that's another way that you could get a, a question in uh, to talk about the book. So we would love to have some interaction uh, with the folks who are who are listening and, and reading along with us. Um, but just understand that it's going to not going to be maybe as timely as you might prefer uh, because of the way that we record, uh, which is my fault because I need to uh, travel in order to come and uh, and record. So we try to make the most out of each uh, trip I make. Um, plus, it also makes it easier for the station. So we uh, are so grateful for Red Sea Catholic Radio, which hosts our podcast. So and grateful. Does all the work for us and uh, is just so gracious in all that they do. So if, To allow us to continue this absolutely. podcast. Yeah. So if you Amen. haven't checked out Red Sea Catholic Radio, uh, we encourage you to get online. and At redsearadio.org. And that's red, the letter C, radio.org. So uh, they are awesome partners for us. And this honestly would not be happening at all without Red Sea Catholic Radio. Right. And just to another plug uh, to share this with your friends as well. Um, it is available on the Red Sea Radio app. You can get it at either your Apple Apple Store or your Google Play Store to um, download the Red Sea Radio app. Right. Yeah. So you can listen to not only a po- our podcast on that, but other other very fine uh, podcasts, other good content. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's uh, get into um, do, do you want to talk more about why we're doing this or the motivation or do you want to just d- dive right into the introduction now? Well, I'd like to give a little background while we're doing this. OK, give it. So, well, um, as everyone knows, the name of the show is Shoulder to Shoulder, and that evokes the image of us walking shoulder to shoulder as we draw closer to the Lord. And it is centered, like Megan said, on spiritual friendships. And we feel like in today's modern times with um, social media and so many things that are distracting us from real personal intimacy, and I don't mean in a sexual way, but I mean that intimacy <laughs> Isn't it sad? of being known. Okay, let me known. just stop you for a moment. Yeah. Isn't it sad that you actually I, had you to do. say that? Like the, the term intimacy has been so hijacked to mean things that are sexual. Right. Like that's a, a part of the problem it's here. It's part of the problem. But that being said, we want to be able to increase intimacy with one another as it comes to knowing the Lord and being seen and known and loved by one another because that's the way the Lord loves us. And that's just kind of a, a I guess, a, a stepping stone for us to, to look further into some of the greats that did it very well. You know, uh, I don't know that we'll be talking about Claire and Francis, but maybe we will. Um, or some of my favorites, like Teresa and John of Avila. Mm-hmm. I love both of them so much. Yeah. I've learned well, a lot. Well, you know me, I'm a big fan of. Uh... St. Basil and St. Gregory. And I know that they're in this book okay. for sure. No, I so haven't I'll peeked ahead to too chatting much. about them. Um, I actually think it's their picture on the front. Oh, I, right? I haven't looked That's up the, okay. the uh, you know, whatever the, uh, what's the word I want to use? Credit for what the front cover is, but I'm pretty sure it's Basil and Gregory. Okay, I'll look at that while you, you start talking. Oh, you don't have to look it up. It's fine. But, um, so yeah, we... Uh, there's, you know, there's other books that we could have done regarding spiritual friendship. Uh, for me, like the, uh, the classic, uh, is St. Alred of Raveau wrote, uh, on spiritual friendship, which is kind of the quintessential Christian book on friendship. Um, but one of the beauties of this book is that while St. Alred of Raveau's is, is much more of a kind of like a theological 
kind of look at things. This one, it, it looks at it through relationships. So it's taking specific individuals and, and looking at the relationship they had through the writings that, that continue to exist and looking at how that, that friendship impacted the individuals within it, but also impacted the society um, broader. So I think in this day and age where we really do need the witness of people who have lived friendship in a way that edified their own lives and glorified God and served as a witness to the world. Uh, this was a great book to do that because it, it does look at from that more personal perspective as opposed to, uh, you know, more of a theoretical perspective, I would say. Um, because one of the reasons that uh, I you know, really became very interested in the concept of spiritual friendship is because before I was ever even a Christian, well, no, I guess when I was a Christian before I was a Catholic, so when I was younger, like in my middle school, high school days, I was always very ordered towards friendship. Um, like it was always important to me to have a few close friends and I, I did a lot to really try to foster those relationships. And, and truth be told, when those relationships didn't live up to what I'd hoped they'd be, it was actually quite painful mm. to me. That was a, that's a big place of suffering in my life when I had pursued relationships with, with people in a friendship that, that didn't sort of, um, pan out in a way yeah. that, that was really felt fruitful and fulfilling. And so, um, and then, you know, in the time that I was away from the Lord in my days of being, um, agnostic, I, you know, sometimes kind of in that and continuing to seek and desire the good of friendship, but in a way, but I was away from the Lord. So I didn't have the grace, uh, that being in relationship with the Lord gave, uh, could fall into relationships that were not healthy and happy and holy um, because I was looking for something that wasn't meant to be fulfilled in that relationship because, you know, it's always a matter of what can be fulfilled in a human relationship and what is meant to really only be fulfilled by God. And it's only when you have those two things properly ordered where you understand, you know, my, uh, my fullness comes from the Lord and then as I receive from him what I truly deeply need at the innermost part of my being, it's only then that I can truly deeply become the best friend that I can be to another. So true. Yes, so true. Right? Mm -hmm. And so to have the deepest level of healthy, holy relationship starts really with your relationship with God and getting that relationship more properly ordered. So then as I moved in my own personal life to um, my conversion and becoming Catholic and really making that my faith life a huge priority, I found that there was a blossoming in my life of friendship um, that was fulfilling the desires of my heart that I had been seeking all through. Mm. And I started to recognize how my friendships with people who are also seeking the Lord, who are also desiring to live in God's truth and in his will profoundly, faithfully, um, they were not only bringing sort of a sense of joy and comfort in my personal life, they were also drawing me closer to the Lord. And so the, the fact that you're walking together towards the Lord is, was actually making that journey more joyful. And it felt like it was going faster towards right. him, you know, so profound, so deep. Yeah. Right. And so to have experienced that in my life, 
the deep, deep longing for real intimate friendship, having it gone go bad a number of times to the place where it was painful and hurtful to then, you know, have a, a, a blossoming of it within the structure of spiritual friendship that's properly ordered towards God first. Mm-hmm. I want it for other people. I want it so badly you for other people. see the good, you want to share it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And I also see it as off, uh, very much as an antidote for a lot of the ills in this world mm-hmm. where we have placed so much emphasis, like we were talking about earlier, with the sexual aspect of things and and, you know, sort of, to the point where often people don't develop a real sense of friendship in their romantic relationships because they get so ordered towards the physical aspect of the relationship yes. that they don't really develop a friendship. And then they wonder why, you know, down the road a few years, like they feel like they're quote unquote out of love. Well, right. the reality is, is that they focus so much importance on satisfying the the physical desires of their relationship that they didn't build the firm foundation of knowing the other at a deep intimate level that is non-sexual right you know i work in marriage prep quite a bit with uh, my background as a fertility care practitioner and i will be saying all the time you'll hear me say that the human experience in a relationship, an intimate relationship, is way more about loving tenderness, being seen, known, and heard than anything else. That, that is the most um, efficacious way to, to give our love to one another, to listen intently, to look in the face and the eyes, and to love that way by listening well and being very mm-hmm. present to that person and not being distracted as we are distracted to death in our culture. Right, for sure. So I think that's a good segue into the introduction because um, the author, and okay, I'm just going to straight up say it right now. Pam, you and I both have a hard time pronouncing his name for some reason because we both want to like put the L in a different spot or drop out an I. I know it's Aquilina, but I'm just going to call him the author or Mike. Okay. <laughs> during this okay. book study because I don't want to keep trying to remind myself of the... It, if I'm saying it correctly or not. So the author really starts the book in the introduction, um, kind of giving a little bit of a uh, snapshot of uh, where we are uh, in this day and age regarding um, friendship. So in, in one of the quotes that sort of stuck out, stuck out to me in the earliest part of the book and the introduction, he says, in spite of religious freedom, in spite of our wealth, in spite of a proliferation of institutional apostolates, we're not converting the world the way we did when we were poor and persecuted. Yeah. And so he's talking about how, wh- what's going on? Like the church doesn't seem to be having the robust growth. He, he made the, he, he told the numbers where it was like incredible, like the earliest, earliest part of the church um, in like the cities and even in the countrysides, it was like growing like at a rate of, I don't know, 40% a year or something like that. Just like incredibly fast growth from the beginning of the church, even though it was illegal, you could get killed for being found out to be a Christian. There was no like, you know, well-defined traditional structure. It was just like this new thing that was catching like wildfire. And so the question is, why? Why then was it doing that? And it doesn't do that now. And so what is your thought on that 
Because he goes on to say, it seems that Christians converted the world simply by befriending their next door neighbor and persevering in friendship. Right, right. Well, I'm reminded of, I don't know if you ever saw the movie St. Paul. And I remember a very good... The uh, one with uh, that... um, It was... um, What's his name was in? Caviezel. Caviezel, Caviezel yeah, yeah, was. He's, he he was played movie. Luke. Cool. Yeah, he played um, Luke. And I forget who played Paul, but whoever played him was awesome. He was so good, too. Oh, so good. But there was also the scene with Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah. During yes. that time period where they really, that is seared into my mind about the persecutions where they were in hiding and they were literally burning Christians in cages outside mm-hmm. of the walls. And they all kind of um, hid together with one another, but greeted each other with such great and amazing love. And and I think that's something that we need to start to learn more about how to love one another well as Christians. And I think that's what this is like pointing us to say, let's look at how they did it. How do they love well um, because of their love of the Lord, obviously. Mm. Um, but how can we emulate that? Right. And I think when there is persecution, there is a certain unity that's fostered in persecution where you're kind of like, wow, this is really hard, but at least we're in it together, you know? And I think that's a, a sense that people have lost to a large degree. This We're in it together. Like, who's we? In what? Like, there's not this clear sense of where we all belong as Christians because the sad reality is there's so much disunity among Christians now that we aren't all in it together, Mm-mm. you know? Well, that is by the evil one's design, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when you're in that situation where, you know, part of my conversion was very, very much about you know, looking, the Lord just bringing to my heart the concept of unity and, you know, Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17, when he talks about how that the those that come to believe in him through the apostles would be one, the way Christ and the Father are one. And the thing that struck me so much is he follows that up with the reason that they would be one so that the world would know that you sent me. And this sense of unity, oneness among believers is meant to be a sign to the world of Christ's divinity. Beautiful. And so when we don't strive to foster like deep levels of unity among believers as signs to the world, if we, if they don't see examples of what, Christianity lived in unity can really look like they're not going to see the gospel incarnated because that's what we're meant to be mm. little Christs no tall order I'm just saying yeah it's a pretty tall order <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty tall Ooh. order but it, in the end it is the great command right mm, yes it, it's the the mandate they will know they will know we are Christians by our love. Yeah. And so really this is what this idea of spiritual friendship is, is that, you know, not in some amorphous general concept of love everybody. How do you love specifically a person in front of you? 
That's as right. a Christian. And in this chat, uh, in this introduction, he talks about how the principal crisis that he's defining, and this is uh, if you're if you have the book, um, it's on page. Let's see, twelve. It says the Christian. I propose that it is a revolution whose time to come. That there's a that when he's talking about Jesus calling his disciples friends, and that we need it. There's a revolution that needs to happen within the church, and he says. Um, for we've reached a convergence of crises that resemble the cluster of cataclysms the world saw in the third century. But the principal crisis is the disappearance of friendship. Mm. And then he goes on to talk about how there are sociologists who were doing studies and found that in 1985, most Americans could name it at least three people that they were very close friends with. And by 2005, one in four Americans reported having no close friends, not a single person that they felt was a close confidant in their lives. So tragic. It's a spiritual poverty. It really is. How do we get here? I guess it's a whole other show, but. No, I think we can talk about that yeah. now. How did we get there? No, because he I talks mean, a little bit about it. I, I think a lot of it is. Um, kind of I don't know our mobility like people moving all over the country away from families so families used to all stay in the same area I mean I look around in our Brazos Valley and and see families that have all stayed close by and how close they are and mm-hmm. and how they they all still attend mass together adult children and um, their young families and how they're really building lives of that more of an intimacy in love of the Lord too when they stay closer together so I think that you know, getting separated and people moving away. That's, that's a big part is like not staying in one place. Yeah, I, definitely. That makes a big difference for sure. Because I think some people, and I've actually had conversations with people about this before, where they have a hesitancy to do the work of forming deep relationships because there's this sense that, well, they'll just move away, you know, because they've had the experience of a number of people that were close to them, you know, relocating. And then it's just like, well, what's the point? You know, they're just going to move away. But another thing I would like to point out, and it's not going to be particularly popular with some people, women working. I think that has made a big difference in friendship not becoming as much of a thing. And I'll, and I'll explain why there's a couple reasons. First, when you work, you don't have all those times where you're at home with the children trying to survive the day mm-hmm. <laughs> as a mom with small children. And so often what would happen in, in, in communities the moms weren't working. They were home. They lived maybe closer together, like in neighborhoods and things like that. And in order to break the monotony of the day to get a, you know, kind of get some social interaction, you know, they would go out and, you know, the kids would be riding their bikes in the street or they would visit each other's houses or, or everything. Play and, groups, yeah. And play groups and all that sort of stuff. And conversations would happen You'd come to care about their other person's life. You'd come to care about their children, know who they are, watch them grow up. And then the wives, as they became close, would foster relationships with the spouses, bring the spouses into the situation, give them opportunities to interact. Because a lot of times, you know, you'll find that couple friends 
tend to be initiated by the friendships of the wives hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you've got more wives that are interacting on a regular basis because they're at home, they're ordered towards their home and their f- children, it's going to foster those relationships a little bit more than, you know, if, if both parents are working all day long, they come home, everybody's tired, they haven't seen their own kids all day, so they're, they don't want to go out necessarily, they don't want to be engaging with other people. And then, you know, if you do have a friend but the only time they can get away is the evening and your spouse is like, well, but I haven't seen you all day. And so, um, they don't, they don't feel like they have the freedom to just go out. You know, it puts a lot of limitations on the amount of time that you can have to foster deeper relationships. It's so true. And so that sense of being engaged also in your neighbor's life. Like when I read that statement about how they became friends with their neighbors and persevered in friendship, it's a real gut check for me because the reality is I've lived in my house that I live in now for seven years. I don't know in my neighbors. Mm. I know I chat every now and then with the one right next door to me. Other than that, nobody talks to me. I, and I, you know, I'll wave to them, but most people aren't hanging out in their front yards. They aren't like looking to engage. Right. And so you become isolated within your own, you know, community, your own neighborhood. Like it's amazing to me in a way that I can grow, I can live years within 200 yards of a person and not even know their name. Mm. Yeah. I have to say I've lived in the same house now for um, 20 years. Yes, 19 years. And I do know most of the people that live, uh, we've had very little turnover on our block. Mm-hmm. And so we know a lot of them. And we kind of look out for each other, especially especially during COVID when we have a couple of elderly couples on the street that we just call and check on and and things like that. But as far as sharing our faith, I wouldn't say that we'd necessarily do that, but we, we know them and we try to mm-hmm. look after their homes and, mm-hmm. and if things not right, we, we go knock on the door and say, everything okay. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that's, so that's one level yeah. right, of relationship, but then to go deeper and to get to those points of sharing faith, like for example, this, the one woman that I do know who, uh, who lives next to me, um, she, they moved there more recently, like within the last couple of years. Well, they ended up having, they have a serious health crisis going on in, in their family with one of the grandchildren. And she, she happens to be very chatty, the, the, the wife. And so she was talking to me and when I first met her, you know, I found out she re- somehow found out that she was Lutheran. And so I, you know, was very open with, you know, the fact that I'm, you know, very, uh, into being Catholic. <laughs> and so, so that we understood that there was this common place, right. Where, you know, maybe we're not both of the same denomination, but there's both, both of us have a sense that, you know, the Lord is real and active in life. And so when this crisis came up and she, you know, told me about it, um, I, you know, right then and there was like, can I pray with you? let's, let's pray over, you know, what's happening with your grandchild and, you know, and just, so even just those things where you're open to like knowing it's kind of like back in the old days when, 
uh, in these early times when there was persecution and they had that symbol of the fish, right? Yes. The ichthys, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, you believe too? Yeah. Okay, so there's already this thing that's uh, it's a, a meeting place, you know, a trust that, okay, I can, I should be able to assume some things about you as a Christian, mm-hmm. right? That we share that. You know, one of the things I want to throw out there too, when you're talking about neighbors, I found if you, you talk about a level of intimacy with my coworkers as neighbors, mm-hmm, sure. maybe just a temporary time in my life, um, but I have so much more an opportunity to be more authentically who I am. And, and I pray that anyone would know how much I love the Lord if they get to know me with even just some simple conversation. So I dare say uh, that's also a very great place is in the workplace if you are working um, because I've been able to share my faith and help people um, just kind of see my love and hope to have their love grow. Right. And I do think that it is so much by example, a lot of times, like, for example, you know, we did po- a couple podcasts on the situation with your granddaughter. And if they see you as a person who's continuing to seek the Lord in prayer, who's trusting that, you know, the Lord will you know, work in the situation. And even if it doesn't go how you want it to be, that you can still maintain peace and joy in a difficult circumstance, that is a witness. And so if people don't know the in, any of the intimate details of your life, how are you going to show the witness of how you're... What the faith is. Yeah, yeah. how you're living as a oh. Christian in those circumstances. No, as a matter of fact, Megan, I, I think it really warrants saying, too, that since the time of 2020 and, and COVID, people of a very deep faith, when I say that, they have a extraordinarily deep and sincere love of Jesus Christ. I found myself really bonding well with those people in my office. They mm-hmm. would often pray with me for my granddaughter um, and over me and with me. It was really beautiful as opposed to, say, didn't didn't have to be Catholic necessarily. Sure. They just have a deep and beautiful love of Jesus. And uh, I found that there were no denominations when it came mm-hmm. to praying with each other when someone is in, in a, in a, desperate place like that where they've got a trauma going on in their lives. Yeah. And it is, again, it's, it is a place, especially in crisis where a lot of those divisions start falling and the kind of the essential of being a believer, uh, becomes more the primary thing. Um, and you know, I think as we move into a time when it probably is going to become more and more difficult to be a Christian, um, that that will become more and more relevant. Like, for example, I have a real heart for Nigeria and the sufferings of Christians in Nigeria. Just, I don't know, something the Lord just really... Me too. I don't know, Nigerians, I love them. And, so uh, much. you know, and I was so, you know, recently in the news, we heard of on Pentecost where there was a massacre, you know, I think almost 50 people were murdered at a Catholic church in Nigeria. Well, I also just read another article um, that... I was telling about a young college girl, uh, evangelical Christian, who was beaten to death by a mob in Nigeria. And so the reality is, is that the mobs who want to hate Christians, they don't really care if you're Catholic or if you're evangelical or whatever. They just they hate you for Christ. And so as things become more and more difficult, we probably will find ourselves in these places of, of meeting where it's we're more 
you know, united, interlocked, yeah, united, united yeah, by sure. our Christianity mm-hmm. uh, that can transcend denominations. But the truth of the matter also is, is that just like it happened in my life where friends had a big role in my becoming Catholic, yes. as we live out our Catholic faith and we are showing it to our our non-Catholic Christian friends, you know, we can be compelling and the truth of what it is to be Catholic and the beauty of the Catholic faith and the, the Eucharist, you know, as we speak to the, the reality of that. And I love that we're doing a Eucharistic revival. I mean, how excited are you? I mean, there's a, there's obviously a lot of things that we can complain about as far as the hierarchy of the church in America, but I am so excited that they have called a Eucharistic revival Amen. for the next, you know, two and a half years. And I would say as we function within our friendships, this is one of the f- things that I found very frustrating as I, converted to Catholicism, recognizing how many Catholics in my life, in my non-Catholic days, never talked to me about the Eucharist. Mm. And so this is a, I think if we're going to be good friends to people who aren't Catholic or even Catholics who don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist, because that's part of the reason we're having this revival, um, be open and joyful and share the truth of uh, his presence and, and what that means to us. Um, it's a it's a beautiful thing, but if you don't feel safe with a person, sometimes sharing something that's so, you know, precious to you can be hard because you you don't want them to stamp on it. You don't want them to disrespect, you know, your beliefs and things. So creating those places of safety where you can be open and vulnerable with another person is is when these conversations can happen, but it takes work. It takes time to develop those kind of relationships. It does. And you're very good at that. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, we should probably wrap up this one, but I do think um, it's important to talk about, boy, I sounded Canadian when I just said that. Talk about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How, uh, you know, the author really talks about the uh, reality that Christ dramatically changed the relationship of God and man in his incarnation. So why do you speak to that? I know that kind of touched you. And it you really did. The um, he, I wish I had a quote in front of me, but I don't. And But it was that he called us friends. He really changed the way that the God and man, but if God who has no equal has befriended us, who are we to place anyone outside the reach of our friendship? That's just so beautiful. Yeah, that's a quote from the book. That's, yes. It's just amazing that... The God called us friend. I still, you know, I can I can chew on that one for a while as far as him, him calling us friends, no longer slaves, but indeed his friends, the God man. It's, it's still too much for my little human brain mm-hmm. to comprehend that yeah. he called us friends. And so we should go and do likewise. Yeah. And I think the, the beauty of it is, you know, when he says, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. And, th- and then he gives the why. He says, because I have told you all that the father has told me. That is important. It is the sharing of the intimate parts of oneself, the, the what is in oneself, one's knowledge, one's hopes, one's you know truth, all those sort of things. It's in sharing those things that we become friends, first with God and then with each other. And so if we approach others with a constant state of self-protection, not wanting to be open with others, to, you know, just keep your little 
close, safe, you know, tight grip on all your stuff, you're not going to have deep friendships. People often, I hear, complain that they don't have deep friendships. Well, you have to be vulnerable in order to forge them. But even before that, how are you going to get to a place where you have the trust to be vulnerable? It takes time. I ask people, okay, what are you doing to foster close friendships? Are you inviting people out to for one-on-one lunches, coffees? Are you talking to them on the phone? Are you texting? Like, I don't have time for that. Well, you know what? It's what it takes. It's what it takes. So you have to decide, are you going to prioritize it? And clearly you can't prioritize it with 50 people or even 10 people or probably even five. Mm -hmm. But one or two, make the investment with your time so that you can build the trust so that then you can become vulnerable to actually create the intimacy that you're seeking and longing for. Amen. So I, I want to end um, this discussion with one quote that I think is just beautiful. It says, that's the Christian pattern of friendship. It starts with the incarnation. The central event of history is the ultimate act of friendship. Mm, beautiful. So, Growing in friendship with Christ is the first step in developing deep spiritual friendships. Amen. So we will continue uh, with chapter one, which I'll give you the heads up if you haven't read it already, is short. So uh, we'll get to talk a lot about uh, little words, and we probably will have no problem doing that. (laughs) So we'll look forward to it. If you haven't gotten the book, um, you know, there's plenty of time. And you can always just pause listening until you catch up if, uh, if you haven't had the time. So we hope you'll join us and walk with us shoulder to shoulder as we go through this book. And until next time, let's stay united in prayer. God bless. God bless. God bless.